Masechet Pesachim has been dedicated by Mr. Ike J. Shechebar in honor of his grandparents, Mr. Ike and Jeanette Bibi. We bless Mr. Ike Shechebar, who's been a sponsor of the Dafyomi for many uh, days. They should continue to enjoy success, health, and happiness. May his grandparents also enjoy much nachat from him as well as all their grandchildren and may they only share in semachot for the entire family. Amen. Daf Pezayin. Today's daf is being studied Na'ilun Nishmat HaChambaruch Rafael Ben Miriam and Abraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanichem Began Eden. Amen. We are starting the eighth Perik of Masichet Pesachim, Perik Ha'isha, and the Mishnah begins. <coughs> Ha'isha, a lady that is married, Bizman Shehibibet Ba'la, when she is in her husband's home, so then Shachat Aleha Ba'la, if the husband slaughtered the Qurban Pesach and had in mind for his wife as well, because as we learned, ladies are also obligated in Qurban Pesach. But at the same time, her father also slaughtered a Qurban Pesach and had in mind for his daughter to be with him. So the Mishnah says, <coughs> The rule in this case is, she is registered on the husband's Qurban Pesach. Now the logic is, since she's living with the husband, uh, the logic says that she's accustomed to be with him, and therefore she would prefer to be on the husband's korban than on the father. <clears throat> Unless, of course, she explicitly uh, said that she wants to be on the father's korban. Halka abiha. It was customary that <clears throat> the first holiday, Regal, after they would get married, the lady, the wife would go to her parents' house. So the Mishnah says, if they follow that custom, that on the first Regal she went to her father's house, Shachat Aleha Abiha, and her father slaughtered Qurban Pesach for her, the Shachat Aleha Ba'ala, and the husband as well, Tochal Bimkom Shehidotza. In this case, we say she has an option. She can choose which korban she wants to be part of. The Gebarah is going to explain that this case is talking about where she is not accustomed to constantly run to her father's house. And therefore, she's happy with her husband's house. And therefore, it's a 50-50. We don't know if she wants to be with her husband or her or. Uh, father, because now it's the regal, and she is by her father's house. Uh, so therefore, in that case, we say we ask her. But if she's with the Gemara called Redufa, if she's accustomed to always run to her father's house, then you assume, even though her husband slaughtered far, she'd rather be with her father. Our case specifically, she is Eda Redufa. She is not accustomed to always run to her father's house. Therefore, since she is there for the regal, so it becomes a question. The first case, however, there was Bismanchi Bebet Ba'ala. She was home. So since she's home and the husband and the father slaughters, 
and she's not nedufa, it's clear that she goes after the husband is not even a safek. Amzikabaran says, Mishnan says, Yatom, an orphan, Sheshahatu alava putroposin. An orphan has guardians <coughs> that manage his estate. Let's say he had two guardians, and each guardian slaughtered a korban pesa for the orphan. So the orphan can choose to eat on whichever korban he wants. Let's say you have an Ivid Kanaani that has two partners that own him. Let's say one of them slaughters and has in mind to, for the Ivid Kanaani, he cannot eat uh, from that one. Nor, let's say, if the other fellow slaughtered for him, he cannot eat from that one as well. Why? Because we're talking about a case where the partners don't get along. And each partner does not want to benefit from the other partner. And therefore, uh, the other partner has no right to register the Ebed Kanani without getting permission from his partner. Therefore, the Ebed cannot benefit from either of them. Now she says, "Lo from either of them. And even if one of them registered him and the other didn't, who gave him permission uh, to register? Unless they get, he gets expressed permission from the owners. Then one of them can slaughter for him and he can be registered for them. Like he says, the reason is that each mayor does not have the right to register for his own pass out the share of the slave that belongs to the other master. Comes the Mishnah and continues. You have an Evid Kanani, he's half slave, half free. How do you have such a case? He was owned by two partners. One partner let him free. The other partner did not. So the Mishnah says, Lo Rabbo. Now when his master, slaughters the Qurban Pesan, has the Evid in mind, the Evid is not considered registered, because we assume that the Evid only had the side of Avdut. Uh, in mind, but he did not have the side of Herut in mind, and this guy's half free, half uh, slave, so therefore the free side of him was not registered therefore it is not a legitimate uh, registration for a Qurban, and the Gemara will explain all these cases, and we begin the Gemara yesh we could learn from the first case of the Mishnah that there is a concept of Berera. What's the case actually we're referring to? The second case actually of the Mishnah. The case of the Mishnah was <clears throat> where after the first, uh, after they got married, the first holiday, the Negev, she went to her father's house. The father slaughtered Korban Pesach and the husband slaughtered Korban Pesach, both having in mind for the wife. So the deen is, you ask her, and whichever one she wants to be part of, she can be part of. Now, that means that after the fact that the Qurban was slaughtered and the blood was sprinkled, you're asking her. She, let's say, decides she wants to be with the father's Qurban. 
So now we're going to use the principle of Berera and say, retroactively, that at the time of the sprinkling, which is the main uh, part of the Qurban, where the people have to be registered, will say that retroactively her mind was to be uh, uh, with the father's Qurban at the time of the Zirika. Now, this principle of Berera, that you uh, retroactively... uh, uh, place the intention, this is a mahloka throughout Shas, do you say yesh berera or en berera? Well from Al Mishnah, obviously if you say that the Qurban is, she can eat which whatever one she wants, even though at the time of the shahita it was not determined, it was only determined at a later time, but her opinion at a later time will decide retroactively what happened, so that's using the principle of berera. So the Gebara says, mina, we can conclude from here, Yesh, berera, that there is indeed berera. That at the time of the sprinkling, and the slaughtering and the sprinkling, it was done for her. And what was that determined later on when she expressly said her intention? So the Gebra says, no, no proof. My rotsa, what does it mean when it says in the Mishnah she can eat from whichever one she wants? Bish'at shechita. Meaning, she expresses her opinion at the time of the slaughtering, not later. It was got nothing to do with Berera. The Hadush of the Mishnah is that in this case over here, she has to express herself because we don't know which Qurban does she want. Since she's by her father's house, so you assume maybe she wants to be with her father. But as we learned, she also uh, is with her husband in the sense that she's not Ridufa, that she doesn't. Uh, you know, uh, run back to her father always, so maybe she wants to be with her husband. So in this case, the Gemara says, you have to ask her. As opposed to the first case, where she's living with the husband, then you don't even have to ask her. It's assumed that she wants to be registered with the husband. So that's the difference between the first case and the second case of Mishnah. The first case, when she's living with the husband, and she's comfortable with the husband, even though the father slaughtered for her, you don't even ask. It's assumed off the bat, she's with the husband. The second case, where it's an egg, be shown, question, maybe she wants to be with the husband, maybe with the father. In this case, the dean would have to ask her before the shahita. But... We're not using the principle of Berirakush, you're actually asking her. Tosfot does point out, if they would not ask her at the time of the Shahita, she would not be able to eat from either of them. Urminu, we have a contradiction. Isha, a lady that's married, on the first holiday that she spends, she eats specifically from the father's kurban. Mikan ba'ilach, and from the first holiday and on, rotsa ochel meshel abiyya, rotsa meshel ba'la. Then she has options. Well, that goes against our Mishnah. This Braitha is telling us over here that even on the first regal, she only goes after the father. Our Mishnah said that the first regal, she has an option. And then you're telling me that after the first regal, she can go whatever side. We learned in our Mishnah that after the first regal, when she's by the husband's house, it's automatic with the husband. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara's answer is, it depends. If a woman is eager to go back to her father's home, that's called Redufa. So then, on the first regal, since she's always going back to her father's house even before that, 
she's not comfortable yet with the husband. So she's always going home. So when the father slaughters for you, assume it's definitely with the father. After the regel, then already it's a safik, because she's still the dufa. However, Alma starts talking about She's not eager to go home Therefore, when she's with the husband Even though the father slaughtered She's with the husband And only because it's the first thing When she's by the father's house It becomes a sefeq Because she's really in her dufa So you say, maybe she wants the father Maybe she wants the husband Therefore you ask her Which one she wants to be registered So that's really the look between the Mishnah And the Brayta Is she eager to go to her father's house or not? Dikhtiv Now the Gibran is going to bring a proof About how some ladies are eager to go back to their father's homes. Yaktiv. Azayiti bi'ainav ke mus'ed shalom. This is a pasuk from the Shira Shirim. And the pasuk basically says, <coughs> the Shira Shirim is like a, uh, a metaphor between the Jewish nation and Bore Olam and God. And it's written as if a husband is talking to his wife and a wife to the husband. The wife being B'nai Israel and the husband being God. So the Pazuk says, I became in his eyes like one who was found to be perfect. This is B'nai Israel talking as if we are perfect in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, like a bride is perfect in the eyes of her husband. Like a bride who was found to be perfect in her father-in-law's home. And she's eager to go report her praises in her father's house. Which means she cannot wait to go home to let her family know that she was accepted by her husband's family. And therefore this is an example of a lady that's redufa. Not an example... uh, to the case we just mentioned above. We mentioned above Ridufa, meaning she's eager to go to her father's house because she doesn't want to be with her husband. This is a proof not to that. It's just an example of a lady that's eager to go home. In this case, it's a positive reason, not in disdain of her husband, but on the contrary, in complimenting her husband, she wants to go home to tell her parents how much she's happy to be with her husband. And I'll give her continues. And we have a pasuk. Uh, this pasuk over here is a pasuk in Hosea. The pasuk says on that day, Hashem said that Bnei Israel will call me Ishi, my husband, and they will no longer call me Bali, my master. Which means, Bnei Israel is going to be like a bride in a father-in-law's house. And not like a bride in her father's house. Which means, the, uh, the word Ishi is a more intimate word. Ishi is from Ishut. Ma'ali is more like a master. And therefore, the Pasuk is saying that Bnei Israel are going to have a stronger relation with stronger relationship with Hashem therefore it's going to be, they're going to call God Ishi and be unexplained like a bride that is by her father-in-law's house which means she's comfortable she's comfortable to be with the in-laws but she's comfortable with her husband and not like a kala that's uncomfortable with her husband where she's always running back home where the husband is like more like a Baal or like he's a master we continue 
where the pasuk came from, Shira Shirim. The pasuk says we have a little sister, but she has no shadaim. Shadaim are breasts. What is this referring to? Amar of Yohanan, Zu Elam. This is referring to the province of Elam, which merited to learn Torah, but did not merit to teach. This is referring specifically to Daniel, the prophet that came from Elam, and the Pasuk writes that, well, Daniel learned Torah, but he was not able to disseminate the Torah to the Jews in Elam. And therefore they say, Just like the breasts, they're used to give out milk, to give sustenance to others. But here, Enla, this is referring to Elam, where Daniel was able to learn, but he wasn't able to disseminate and uh, give out the Torah to the members of his generations. As opposed to uh, Babel, where you had Ezra Sofer, in Babel, when not only did he learn Torah, but he was also able to disseminate the Torah to the generation. <coughs> and the Pasuk continues. Ani choma veshadai kemigdalot. The Pasuk says, I am a wall, and my breasts are like towers. What is this referring to? Amar Yohanan. Ani choma zu Torah. This referring to wall is referring to the Torah. The wall is protecting us, so to Torah protects us like a wall. And the breasts are like towers. This is a reference to the Torah scholars. And just like the breast gives out the milk, then the sustenance to others, so to the Talmidei Hachamim, they disseminate the Torah, and therefore they are also... Um, uh, also, it should be said that they protect us as well. So, therefore, just like the war protects us, so Shaddai Kamigdalot, their breasts are like towers, fortresses that protect us as well. The Rava says, I am a wall, this is referring to B'nai Israel, that just like a wall separates from the people behind it, so too B'nai Israel are obligated to separate themselves from the Goim, so they don't assimilate. How do they do that? Their breasts are like towers. This is referring to the synagogues and the houses of study. Which means uh, that's where we get the uh, force, we nurture like the breast nurtures the child. That's where we get the force that bolsters us in order that we uh, isolate ourselves from the idolaters and the uh, Gentiles. What does it mean when it says the following Pasuk? This is a Pasuk For our sons are like saplings, nurtured from their youth. Our daughters are like corners, crafted in the form of the temple. Our sons are like saplings, as little trees. This is referring to the young men of Israel. That they're pure, they never experienced sin. And therefore, they're compared to like young saplings that are perfect trees that were undamaged. Our daughters are like corners. These are referring to the virgins. Of Israel, who even though they have desire, they close their openings 
for their husbands. Now there's two interpretations. What does it mean? Ogdot petchehen lebaalehen. So that she says in one interpretation that they remain celibate until they get engaged, uh, until they get married, uh, then they go with their husband. So therefore they protect themselves before they're married in order to be betulot uh, for their husbands. Otherwise, the Gemara explains that she says, Ogdot is when they speak, they tell. Meaning, they let their husbands know when they received damnida in order that their husbands will abstain from them. Which means this shows tremendous self-restraint on their part, even though they have desire, but they control them either before they're married, or after they're married, they uh, let their husbands know that they are indeed uh, in nida, therefore their husbands should abstain. Now, <coughs> the Gemara now is going to prove uh, this Benotenu uh, Chezaviyot. We said our daughters are like uh, corners. So uh, the Gemara is going to explain that uh, these corners uh, uh, are a reference to the fact that even though the ladies are filled with desire, now where do you see the word corners has anything to do with fullness? So the Gemara says, They will fill up the bowl like the corners of the altar. The corners of the altar were filled with blood. Therefore the Pazuk is saying, Even though they're filled with desire, they still control themselves uh, and remain uh, pure uh, for their husbands. Or from here, Our corners are full, providing from harvest to harvest. Again, so you see, <coughs> That's the Pasuk, and right after that. And therefore, well, actually, it's written right before that pasuk of Hashem Banenu. And therefore, you see, Mezavenu corners are a reference to fullness, meaning even though the daughters are full with desire, they control themselves. And the pasuk concludes, The children are crafted in the form of the temple. What does this mean? They're crafted in the form of the temple. Elu va'elu. This teaches us that both the young men and the daughters of Israel that remain celibate and pure, meaning before they're married, it's as if that the temple was built in their days. Which means, wherever you find restraint from illicit uh, cohabitation, you find holiness. And therefore, uh, these young people, they create a source of holiness, like the uh, aura that was around at the time of the Beit HaMikdash. Kol makom sh'ata motzeh geder arba, sham ata motzeh kedusha. Therefore, since over here, there's a geder of arba, so there is a tremendous amount of kedusha, tantamount to that of the kedusha that was at the time of the Beit HaMikdash. And now... The Gemara continues in its Dirashot. We read about a prophecy that was given in the times of the Prophet called Hoshea. Hoshea prophesied during the reign of four kings from Yehuda. Those kings were Oziyahu, 
his son Yotam, his son Ahaz, and his son Yaskiyahu. Beperek echad nitnabeu arbaanibiim. The Gemara says in one era there were four prophets that actually prophesied. Now they all prophesied also in the uh, era of four different kings. By each one of the prophets it says that they were uh, prophesying in the times of Oziyahu, Yotam, Ahaz and Yehazkiyahu, except for Micha. Uh, Micha is one of the four prophets the Gemara will list. Tosfot says, by Micha it only tells us he was prophesying from the time of Yotam. But Tosfot does say, we can assume at the beginning of Yotam's reign, uh, when Yotam uh, became king, it was only because his father, Oziah, became a leper. He got leprosy, and therefore Yotam took over. So automatically, if he was prophesizing in Yotam's time, he must have been around also for Oziah. So hence, all four prophets, as we will see, prophesied during the uh, four kings that were mentioned. The Gemara says, Hoshaya. The biggest out of the four prophets indeed was Hoshea. Shinemar as the Pasuk says, Tehilat Dibir Hashem Be Hoshea. It says Hashem spoke first with Hoshea. So the Gabbara says, Vihib Hoshea Dibir Tehila. Why did God speak with Hoshea first? Vahalom Moshe Ad Hoshea Kamini Bim from the times of Moshe until Hoshea there were many prophets that God spoke with. Why is he considered the first prophet? Amar Muhanan it means that Hosea was the first and foremost of the four prophets that prophesied in his era. Who were they? The Elohim. Hosea, Yeshaya, Amos, Umicha. And the Gemara now tells us a story of one of the communications that God had with Hosea. Amar lo hakadosh baruchu leHosea. So God comes to Hosea and says, Banecha hatu, your children have sinned. Now, what should have Hosea answered? Lomar, God, after all, they're your children. They are the children of your favored ones. Which means, Abraham, Yitzhak, They're the children of the Avot. Galgel Arouse your mercy for them. It's not enough that Hosea did not say this, meaning to protect Bnei Yisrael. He said, He said in front of God, The whole world is yours. Exchange them for a different nation. It means not only did Hosea not protect us, but he actually vilified the Jewish people. He said, yeah, exchange them. Amar Kadosh Baruch Hu. was not happy. He said, What am I going to do to this Zaken, to this old, old man? Omer lo, what I'm going to tell him is, I'm going to tell him, Lech bekach isha zona veholed lecha banim zinunim. I'm going to tell him to take a woman of harlotry as a wife, 
and cause her to bear children. Then I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell Hosea to send her away. Divorce her. If he's going to have an easy time sending her away, then I will send Benesa, which means what Elam was basically trying to prove to Hosea that it's not so easy just to get rid of the Jewish people. There is children. But in order for Hosea to feel it, he was going to set him up by telling him to go marry a lady. He will be in love. He will have children. And now what? He's going to have to leave them. Uh, it's not going to be so easy after he leaves them. At that point, God's going to say to Hosea, it's just like it's difficult for you to leave your family, your children, so too it's uh, obviously difficult. Therefore, this was the way God was chastising Hosea. It's a machlokan amongst the Mephashim. If this episode that we're going to read now actually happened, did he actually marry a uh, zona, or was this a prophecy that he had? Uh, the... Um, Radak uh, would be some something to look at, and also the Abarbanel uh, talk about that this was uh, merely a prophecy and did not actually happen. In any event, Shneimar Bayomer Hashem and Oshaya, God tells Oshaya, Lech vekach lecha eshed zinunim v'yadeh zinunim. Go take for yourself a woman of harlotry and children of harlotry. So now, Uchtiv and it says. The Pasuk says that she married a lady by the name of Gomer Bat Deblaim. So the Gemara now is going to make a derasha on her name. Amarav Gomer, why is she called Gomer? Shakol Gomrim Ba. Because everybody would finish with her. Which means everybody would satisfy their desires with her, being that she was a Zona. Bat Deblaim. The daughter of Deblaim, she was a lady of ill repute, the daughter of a lady of ill repute. Deblaim is like double Diba. She was ill repute and her mother as well. Ushmuel says, He says that the word Deblaim comes from a de, word Devela, which is a pressed fig. Meaning, she was sweet in everyone's mouth like a pressed fig. Everybody would trod upon her like a pressed fig. This is a reference to the bi'ah uh, that they would do with her. Another interpretation why she was called Gomer. Amar. Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda explained. Because at that time, the uh, Goyim sought to finish off the wealth of Israel in her days. And therefore, she was called Gomer. Rabbi Yohanan Amar, Rabbi Yohanan said, Bazezu v'gamru. Not only they want to finish off the wealth of Israel, the enemies of the Jews in those days, but they actually did plunder and finish off the wealth of the Jews. Shnei Amar, ki ibeda melech aram, which means the king of Aram destroyed the Jewish people and made them like dirt to be trampled and he plundered and ransacked the northern kingdom of Israel and um, uh, that's why she was called Gomer which means to symbolize that in that, those days of Hosea this was going to happen that the Jewish people were going to be finished uh, finished off with their wealth
And the Gemara continues the story. Vatar vateded lo ben. She conceived and she had a son. Vayomer Hashem elav. So Hashem says to him, Kera shemo Yisrael. Call the first son Yisrael. Ki od me'at, because in a short while, ufakati idemei Yisrael al bet Yehu. I'm going to avenge the blood of Israel on the house of Yehu. Let's review this story quickly. It was a king, Ahab. Ahab was a very bad king. God vowed to destroy the family of Ahab. This was done by a king called Yehu. Yehu killed the entire family of Ahab in the valley called Yisrael. As a result, even though Yehu fulfilled the word of God, Yehu was subsequently punished because he himself committed the same sins of Ahab. Ahab was an idolater. Yehu was committing the same idolatry. Therefore, he had no right to kill Ahab, being guilty of the same sin. And therefore, he got punished as well. His punishment was that only uh, four generations came from him. He was king, his son, his grandson and great-grandson. And then the kingdom was taken away from his family. And the Pasuk says, Ki od me'at, in a short while, God was going to avenge the blood of Israel, the blood of Ahab that was killed in the valley of Israel, al Yehu, to the family of Yehu, that was the one that killed Ahab and his family. And the monarchy of the house of Israel will terminate, which means after Zechariah, who was the fourth generation king to Yehu, was killed, uh, that ended. Malchut Yisrael. Vatar od vateled bat. Hoshea had a second child. This time it was a daughter. Vayomer lo kerashema lo ruhama. Name the child lo ruhama, which means not pitied. Kilo osif od arachem et bet Yisrael. Because God said, I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel. Kina so esalem that I should forgive them. Vatar vateled ben. She had a third. Child, a son. Vayomer kirashemo lo ami. Call the son lo ami. Ki atem lo ami. Vaanochi lo yelachem. For you are not my people, and I will not be yours. God didn't mean that he was. In, he didn't mean that he was in exchange us for another nation. He just meant that uh, God is going to conceal Himself from the Jewish people, conceal His favor. After he had two sons and one daughter, shouldn't you have learned a lesson from Moshe, your teacher? Once I started to speak to him, he uh, parted from his wife because he understood that he had to be on call. Uh, you know, for, uh, for for prophecy. So therefore, why didn't you part from your wife? So to you, you should separate yourself from your wife. I have children from her. I can neither remove her, nor divorce her. Now she explains, because he was concerned that maybe there will be now a hashash of mamzerut. Why? Because if he divorces her, the people will think because she was unfaithful. And therefore the children that she has are not really Hosea's. Therefore his children are going to be considered Mamzerim. Therefore how can I do that? 
Now, others explain that what he was saying was is that um, that the Me'idi says uh, he was saying that how could I divorce her and his children involved and from here the Me'idi draws a very important lesson on the uh, the negativity of a divorce specifically when there is children not that Hosea was trying to defy the word of God he was just explaining why he did not separate from his wife like Moshe Rabbeinu, he was saying because uh, since uh, there's hashash of mamzerut over here, or because uh, the fact that divorce is going to leave a great impact on the children, so he did not do that. So when Borei Olam saw that it was difficult for Shaya to leave his wife and children, so Kadosh Baruch Hu said, Regarding you, your wife is a harlot. And your children are children of harlotry. And you don't even know if they're your children or they belong to somebody else. And still this is your response, which means you're hesitant to get rid of them. The Jewish nation that are my children. The children of my tested ones. A nation that is one of the four acquisitions that I have made in the world. It means there's four things that are precious to God, that God acquires them. That means He has a closer affinity to these four things than anything else. Torah, Kenyan, Ehad. Torah, for example, is one acquisition. Hashem, Kanani, Reshit, Darko. As it is written, Hashem has acquired me, meaning the Torah, the beginning of His path. Which is, this refers to the Torah that was written even before the world was created. Shamayim va'ares kenyan echad. The heaven and the earth is considered an acquisition. Tichtiv koneh, shamayim va'ares. The one that acquires the heaven and the earth. Berta mikdash kenyan echad. The temple is one acquisition. Tichtiv harzeh kanta yemino. Yisrael kenyan echad. And Israel is one acquisition. Tichtiv amzu kanita. This people which you have acquired the governor continues and you told me that I should exchange my nation with another nation when uh, Hosea realized that he sinned so he arose in order to ask mercy for himself Instead of asking mercy for yourself, request mercy for the Jewish people. I have decreed three decrees against them because of you. This is referring to the three names of his children. Meaning Israel represents exile, as we're going to explain. Lo ami Israel is from Lashon Zroa. Zroa is to plant, as if the Jewish people were seeded and planted throughout the world, which is exile. Lo ami and lo ruhama, and therefore those are the two, three gezerot. Amad ubikesh lahamim. So Yosheya got up and asked for mercy. Ubitel gezera, and he was able to annul each decree. Vitchil lebarichan. And he ended up blessing the Jewish nation. That the number of the Jewish people should be like the sand of the sea. 
והיה במקום אשר יאמר להם, לא עמי אתם, and instead of being, being said about them, that you are not my people, יאמר להם בני אל חי, they will be called the children of the living God, ונקבסו בני יהודה ובני ישראל יחדיו, and they will not be an exile and dispersing of the Jewish people, but וזרעתיה לי בארץ, they will sow themselves in the land of Israel, that's כנגד ישראל, וריחמתי את לא רוחמה, and they will, uh, I will pity the unpitied one, and the one that was called Lo'ami is going to be now be said on her that they are my people. So that's the prayer of Hosea uh, to annul the three Gizirot. Woe to people that are in authoritative, authoritative positions because the position buries its holders meaning people that are in power positions, and they're haughty and arrogant and take advantage. So these positions uh, cause the incumbents to die early. Why? Out of all these prophets that we just mentioned, the four prophets, who did not survive four kings. שנאמר חזון ישעיה בן אמות אשר חזה על יהודה בירושלים בימי עוזיהו יותם אחז חזקיהו מלך יהודה which means that these prophets each prophet lived through the reign of four kings that means the kings died uh, quicker why? because since they were in power of uh, or positions of authority the Buhanan's rule is that the Rabbanut is the fact that the prophets outlived four kings. So they died before their time, and the reference is to one who acts in an authoritative and arrogant uh, manner. Why did Yerovam, the son of Yehoash, was from the kings of Israel, why did he merit to be listed amongst the kings of Yehuda? Now, it seems it was a zechut to be listed in a pasuk with the kings of Yehuda, because they descended from the Davidic dynasty. So the Gebra says, well, the reason why Yerovam was listed with the kings of Yehuda, as we'll soon see, because he did not receive slander, that was told to him about the Prophet Amos. Gemara asks, Mina lan de'imni? Well, first, who said that he was listed with the kings of Yehuda? Dekhti, because the Pasu says, Devar Hashem, Asher Ya Elosheya ben Be'eri. The word of Hashem that came to Hosheya, the son of Be'eri, Bime Oziyao Yotam Ahaz Yazkiyao Malchi Yehuda. It was in the times of the uh, four kings of Yehuda, and Hosea also prophesied at the time of Yerovam bin Yoash bin Melech Israel. So you see that Yerovam bin Yoash was mentioned in the Pasuk with the four kings of Yehuda. How do you know he didn't receive the Sent a message. 
saying Kashar Alecha uh, Amos, the prophet, has conspired against you to kill you. Uchtiv, and the Pasuk says, Kicho Amar Amos. Koso has Amos spoken. Bacherev Yamut Yerovam. Yerovam will die by the sword. Amar, so when Yerovam heard this, he said, Has Shalom Amar Otot Sadikach. God forbid that such a righteous man would say such a thing. Vimamar. And if he did say it, what can I do to him? Shekhina Amralo. He's only speaking from Shekhina. Now it should be pointed out that um, what Amos did mean is that the descendants of Yerovam will not live. Which means his descendant was uh, Zechariah. And therefore, that was the fourth generation. And therefore he was saying that uh, the fourth generation, Yerovam's son, Zechariah, will not live. But Amatiah uh, spoke slander. And he made it as if Amos was trying to kill Yerovam. But Yerovam did not accept that slander. And therefore he merited to be written in the Pasuk with Malchai Yehuda. Amar Abiyel Hazar. Abiyel Hazar taught. Afidu bish'at ka'asosh l'gadosh baruchu. Even at the time that God is angry, He still remembers His attribute of mercy. When God said in the Pasuk, I will no longer pity the house of Israel. But the Mephashim explained, where do you see the mercy? Because the Pasuk does not say, It doesn't say, I will not continue to have mercy. It says, It says, as if you can read the uh, pasuk as follows. As if the verse is saying that God's uh, mercy will operate, meaning even at the times of anger, which means, I will not continue to be angry, I will have mercy, which means my anger will subside one day, and I will go back to being mercy. So we read the pasuk, Kilo Osif Od, I will not continue to be angry, even though I'm angry now, What's going to happen? So you see, even in the times of anger, God is still thinking about the mercy He has for the Jewish nation. That I should forgive them. We read the Pasuk originally rhetorically, as if it's saying, that I should have forgiveness for them. But the Pasuk can also be read uh, as, a, as a statement. Because eventually I will indeed forgive them. One of the only reasons why God exiled the Jewish people amongst the nations of the world in order that converts should be added to them. Which means, if the exile was solely to punish the Jewish people, so then God could have selected different forms of punishment. If He chose exiles only because by us being scattered throughout the world, we will pick up some converts. I will sow her for myself. And the Jewish people are considered planted in the different lands. Now, when a person, let's say, sows a se'ah, which is a small amount of seeds, he uh, brings out a large amount. And therefore, when it says God sowed the Jewish people, He planted a little of them, but from those little, 
converts were attracted to them, and therefore it turned into a lot. The Rabbi Yohanan Amad Mehaka, Rabbi Yohanan says from here, the Rihamti et lo ruhama. I will uh, pity uh, the unpitied one. And the end of the Pasuk, which really the proof is, uh, the end of the Pasuk says, The end of the Pasuk says, and we quote, Ve'amarti lelo ami amiata. And I will say to the one that is not from my nation, Amiata, you are from my nation. Meaning that there's going to be people that are not from the nation, meaning converts, that are eventually going to cling on to the Jewish nation and they're going to become Amiata. What does it mean in the Pasuk? The Pasuk of Mishle says, Do not slander a slave to his master, lest he curse you and you will be found guilty. Even right in the next Pasuk it says, A generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. Now, again, what I want to so what's the connection between these two Pesukim? Mishum da'abiv yikalel v'etimolo yibarech al kalchen? What does it mean? Just because it's a generation that curses its father and doesn't bless its mother, so that's why you shouldn't slander a slave? So the Gemara says, Elafilu dor she'abiv yikalel v'etimolo yibarech. It's referring to a generation of Jews that even if they curse their father, which means they worship Avodah Zarah and they uh, that's Yekalel Abib they curse their father I mean they curse their father in heaven by worshipping idolatry and they are robbing B'nai Israel from the blessings uh, by doing that that's what it means V'et Imo lo Yibarech Imo is referring to Christ said that they deprive her from the blessings Al Talshen Ha'eved El Adonav you should still should not slander the slave in front of the master meaning uh, you should not uh, 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 speak bad about the Jewish people in front of God. Even though a Jew is doing something bad, meaning even if he's doing something as bad as cursing his father, or uh, not blessing his mother, still, one should not go to God and say, look how bad the Jewish people are, look what they're doing. How do you know this? Alan? How do you know that even such the Sha'im, you should not implicate them in front of God? Mehoshaya. We learned the lesson from Hosea as he was faulted for slandering the Jewish people. Even though they were doing it, he did it at a time where they were sinning. Amar of Hosea. My dikhtiv. What does it mean in the following pasuk? Tzedkot pirzono b'Yisrael. This pasuk was said after Devorah uh, was victorious in beating the armies of Sisera. And she sang the famous prophetic song called Chirat Devorah. And she says in the song, Sidkot Pirzono Abi Israel, that uh, the people will recount the righteous deeds that God performed for the open cities of Israel. Meaning, because the Jewish people were able to live in open cities because they had great success. The enemies were scared of them, therefore they did not need to live in fortified cities. Sidkat Pirzono. Pirazon is an open city. That's what the Gemara explains. Sidaka Asak Dos Baruchu Israel. God did a righteous deed for the Jewish nation, He scattered us amongst the nations of the world. What is the favor? Because now the Jewish people 
uh, we cannot be totally annihilated. Because even if one king rises up against us, since there's Jews living in another part of the world, Am Yisrael will always have existence. So that is a kindness that the Jews are scattered throughout the world. There was once a story with a certain apostate that had a conversation with Abhanina. He said, Anan We are better than you. Concerning you it is written, Regarding the story of Yoab bin Suruya, he went amongst the nation of Edom and lived there for six months and he destroyed all the males subsequently of Edom. The Ilu Anan, but as for us, Itnichu Gaban Kamashane. You Jews have been living with us for many years. And we haven't done anything to you. Which means, you're violent people, you killed all of Edom in six months, the males, and we do nothing to you. The Gemara says, Amar responded to him, Says, with your consent, let one of my students deal in answering you. So Rabbi Oshaya dealt with him. So he says to the Goy, The only reason why you haven't eliminated the Jews is because you don't know how to do it. If you say, let us destroy all of them, they're not with you. Which means all the Jews are not under your control to exterminate all of them. They're scattered. If you decide to kill the Jews that are uh, by you, they would call you a genocidal government, which means your reputation will be tarnished. That's the reason why you're not killing us. So the apostate said, I swear by the wall of the Romans, which is a, I swear on the idols. With this we go down, and with this we go up, which means we grapple with this dilemma every single day, which means you're 100% right. That's exactly why we don't kill you. We're grappling with this dilemma constantly. My dikhtiv, what does it mean in the Pasuk? Elohim hevin darka, yada et mekoma. God understood her way, and he knew her place. That the Jewish people would not be able to withstand the cruel decrees of Edom. <coughs> so therefore, what did God do to us? So therefore, God exiled the Jewish people to Babylonia, which were not as cruel as other nations. Especially they were able to establish a, an environment that was conducive for Torah study. Now, even though they were scattered amongst different nations like we learned earlier, but they were exiled primarily to Babel. Comes the Gemara and says, and the Tosafot just points out over here that uh, the Jews were treated in Babel well until a certain people known as the Habarim.
came and uh, then already uh, the Babylonians uh, was not a, a comfortable uh, exile. That's the Tosafot. In any event, the Gemara says, one of the reasons why God exiled us to Babel because it is deep as a Sheol. Sheol is like a grave. Babel is situated in low-lying areas, the Euphrates Valley, and uh, it uh, can be referred to either as a grave or Gehinam. That's what Sheol is. God says, I will save them from the clutches of Sheol, I will ransom them from the death that I will redeem them. That one of the reasons why Babylonia was chosen for the exile was because their language is similar to the language of Torah. They spoke Aramaic, which is similar to Hebrew. And therefore the Torah will not be quickly forgotten. That the reason why Babylonia was chosen because God sent us back, so to speak, to our mother's home. Because if you remember, that's where Avraham Abinu left. When it says he left, he left from a place called Ul-Kazdim, which was in Babel. So we were only sent back to our origin. That's like an analogy of a man that got angry at his wife. Where does he send her? To mother's house. So therefore, so too God sent us back to where we came from. It's Alexandri said, Three things return to their original source. These are them, Yisrael, the Jewish nation, Keset Misraim, the wealth of Egypt, Uchtav Luchot, and the writing on the tablets. Yisrael had Amran. Regarding B'nai Yisrael, we just said that they went back to Babel. That's where they were exiled too, because that's where Abraham left. Kesef Mislaim, the wealth of Egypt, Tikhtiv, Fahib Bashna Hamishita Melchir Havam, Allah Shishak Melch Mislaim, Al Yerushalayim. It says that in the fifth year of the reign of King Rehavam, Shishak, the king of Egypt, ascended against Jerusalem, and the Pasuk goes on to tell us that he took the treasures of the temple, the treasures of the king's palace, he took everything. So Egypt ended up taking all the money that we plundered from them, so went back to its original origin. The writings on the tablets, Moshe Rabbeinu says, I broke the tablets before your eyes. What does that mean, before your eyes? Tana, as it says in the Braita, Luchot nishperu ve'otiyot porchot. The tablets were broken, but the letters flew up. That's what it means when it says, I broke them before your eyes. Maybe before your eyes you saw the letters go up. It's the letters of the Luchot that were broken went back to their origin in Shamayim. Comes the continues. Ula Amar, Ula says, Kedesh Yuchlu Temarim Ve'yasku Batorah The reason why we were exiled to Babel was in order that they would eat from the abundant dates that were in Babel, and they would be able to study Torah, meaning, um, some explain here that the dates satiate, warm the body, and loosen the bowels, and provide energy. Therefore, it would be much easier for them to have strength to study Torah. Ula, Ikra, Pumpedita. The Gemara says that Ula 
visited Pompedita. Kirivule Trina de Tamre, they brought from a basket of dates. Amaleu Kama Kihane Bezuza. How many dates can you buy or do they sell for a zoos? Amrule, they said, Tlat Bezuza, three for a zoos. Amar, he said, Melot Sanat de Dufshat Bezuza, a basket full of honey, meaning of dates. Sell for only a zoos? Is it a shock that the Babylonians should uh, are studying Torah? Which is, uh, 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 it's, uh, it's expected that the Babylonians are learning Torah since the food is so cheap. So therefore, he was saying it rhetorically. Are the Babylonians not going to learn Torah? Of course, they're going to learn Torah. Look how easy it is for them to sustain themselves. They can buy all these dates for such a cheap. Price. But that night, he got diarrhea from eating all those dates. And he says, Ahmad, he reversed himself. He says, A basket full of poison cells in Bavel for Azuz. And yet, the Babylonians still occupy themselves with the study of Torah. She's then he saw it as a praise that even though their food is not so good, it's harmful to them, and still they're able to study Torah. So you know, at the end, Ula is marveling at their ability to study Torah at all. Comes the Gemara and continues. What does it mean in the pasuk? This is referring to the uh, third Beit Hamikdash, which is referred to the house of the God of Jacob. So the Gemara says, "Elohei Yaakov, Elohei Avraham, Yitzchak." It's the God of Jacob, not the God of Avraham, Yitzchak. Ela lok Avraham shekatav bo shekatu bohar. It's not referring to Avraham. That Avraham referred to the temple as as a mountain. Shne Emar Asher Yamer Ayom Behar Hashem Yirae. He said on the mountain of Hashem. When Avraham made Akedat Yitzchak, he did it on the Temple Mount in the exact spot where the Beit Hamikdash was destined to be built. So he called the mountain as a he called that spot where the Beit Hamikdash was going to be built as a heart. Some say this is a reference to the first Beit Hamikdash that was like a strong mountain that protected Bnei Israel for over four hundred years. Veloki Yitzhak shkatuv bo sadeh, and not like Yitzhak that he described the place of the Beit Hamikdash. As a field, Shneimar, vayesei Yitzchak lasuah basadeh. As it said, Yaakov went out and he prayed in the field. Now he was not praying actually at the place of the temple. However, it's referring that his prayers were directed to the place of the temple that he referred to as a sadeh. Now some say Yitzchak was referring to the second bit Hamikdash that did not have the glory and protection of the first bit Hamikdash, but also had uh, tremendous. Uh, Value for Klai Yisrael. Elach Yaakov. However, the the Beit Hamikdash is referred to the house of Yaakov. Shekerao Bayit, because he referred to the Beit Hamikdash as a house, as the pasuk says. Shneimar byikra chema makomahu Beit El. He referred to the Temple Mount, the Temple itself, the house of God, 
and therefore the third Beit HaMikdash, which is going to be permanent, is called a Bayit, uh, after the name that Yaakov referred to it. And the Gemara continues, Amar Yohanan, Gadol Kibbutz Galuyot, Kayom Shinevu Shemai Ba'aris. The day of the uh, ingathering in of the exile will be a momentous day, uh, as the day when the uh, heavens and the earth were created. Shinevu says the children of Yehudah, the children of Israel will be assembled together and they will appoint for themselves one leader and they will ascend from the land for the day of their ingathering is great. The day of the Kibbutz Kadot is called Yom Yisrael. The word Yisrael is interpreted in the Targum as Yom Kinishon, the day of the gatherings and it says and it says by the creation of the heavens and the earth it says Yom Echad and it says Yom Yisrael so we have a Gizrash Shavah that Yom Yisrael the day of the gathering of the exiles will be as momentous as the day that it says Yom Echad which was the day of the creation of the heavens and the earth Baruch Amen Amen